Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Undiscovered Decade, a podcast where we take a look back at the 1990s and try to find some of the hidden gems that we left behind. Uh, we're up to May 1992, and we saw a film with two of our favorite actors. Uh, it's One False Move. Yeah, uh, it's uh, the debut for um, screenwriting duo uh, Billy Bob Thornton and his screenwriting partner, Tom Epperson. And uh, the two uh, character actors that we're talking about are Billy Bob Thornton and Bill Paxton, who've collaborated on two other movies that we'll probably talk about later. And um, I'm pretty sure this was like their screenwriting debut. They hadn't, uh, they hadn't, they probably written some spec scripts and Billy Bob Thornton had been in other movies, but this was like his launch pad. And I'm pretty sure this is maybe like Bill Paxton's first leading role. Yeah, I can't think of anything that he was the lead in before this. Yeah. And Billy and also a calling card for um, Carl Franklin, the director, mm-hmm. who would do uh, some other like kind of neo-noir movies like Devil in a Blue Dress and uh, Out of Time with Denzel. Yeah, this was kind of a launching pad for all three of them because they go on to bigger and better things, even if Bill Paxton had been in stuff like Aliens. Right. He was a supporting actor. Yeah, he was mostly the comic relief and stuff like that. And uh, Thornton gets big after he does another one with Epperson, Sling Blade. Or no, he doesn't do it. He does it solo. That was the, the right. thing, looking, looking up all his writing credits, it's the only one he doesn't do with Epperson. And he wins an Oscar for it. Yeah. But at least for this, this is what is their calling card. Yeah. And this is like a hard-boiled crime drama in which uh, Billy Bob Thornton and um, and his partners in crime are on the land because they, they, uh, they have a habit of taking down uh drug syndicates taking their money and then running off and then going to the next gig they use up all their money uh ingest all the drugs and then they have to get their next fix at the next town and um his girlfriend is insisting that they go back to uh star city arizona sorry another race because because i always think Arkansas. Yeah. So plus they're going through yeah. they, they cut through the south to try to get to they think they're going to Philly. I think. Yeah, they almost do like they, a they, know, they, they, they tell somebody that they're going to Philly. Yeah. Somebody says something like as as a way to be like, oh no, 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 we're going this way. Yeah. The, throw just, them off the trail. Either throw them off the trail or just to make sure like no cops uh yeah. like traces them to start because they, they know they're being uh um right pursued. <laughs> yeah, so they, there's one said- posters. And um, uh, what are those? posters and like uh, they hear ra- they're they're radio um, yeah. hits, I guess. Yeah. They, they, I thought, they I thought see, maybe there was like they a see their faces on the news report, yeah, something like that. Like it comes up, yeah. then they they're aware that they, they they are definitely on the run from the law. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they brutally murdered several people. Yeah, right. and like uh, one of one of the uh, one of their uh, cohorts, um, I forget his character's name. Uh, it's the black uh, guy. Uh, it's Michael Beach. It's yeah, Pluto. Pluto. Yeah, there we go. Pluto. Pluto is a bit of a psychopath. <laughs> he's super intelligent, but like he sort of. He's not really loose cannon, though. Yeah, but like he did. He, he's, he's very methodical. He, he did deliberately leave evidence, like on video, because he they did break into a party where there there was a camcorder and they're they're celebrating, and then like he could have deleted it or got rid of it, but he well, left it on purpose. He's, like, he's like the a brains, 
He's the brains of the operation, but he's also like the quiet, dangerous one because yeah. of that. Right. I mean, but it's not to say that people don't make mistakes in the movie, but if you uh, if you go into this movie, I guess it's a theme of the movie. If you underestimate any of the characters, all the characters surprise you in one way or the other in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody can all be, make one wrong move. Yeah, uh, nobody can really be stereotyped. But, I can't. <laughs> but as as Jimmy was saying, um, on their coattails are the FBI. And it, since they already know that they're on their way to Star City, they contact the local police and the sheriff there happens to be uh, Dale Hurricane Dixon, played by Bill Paxton, who's very eager to work in, in consolidation with the FBI. Yeah. So it's well, basically, wait, are they FBI or were they like uh, L.A.? I'm pretty sure they're FBI. FBI. Yeah, I don't remember. I thought yeah. they were detectives, but it could I, be. Maybe I'm assuming they're FBI because I was getting a strong um, Twin Peaks vibe. And and the actors never really registered anywhere else, so I didn't really care what they were. Yeah, you really, you really care because I know I know one of the things about Bill Paxton's character. Uh, he's he was excited about working with them, but he was like, "Hey, you think I could like transfer to the big city in L.A. where they're from yeah, to uh, I think uh cops, but yeah, I to like know. you know, get out of a small town." Yeah, he's kind of a gung ho like small town. Uh, yeah. Cop. And obviously he's the big fish in town because he's basically the only cop. So to transfer to any city, he's not going to really last as long as he. His deputy's up. fishing most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's a retired uh, cop from Detroit. His one of his deputies. So like yeah. it's taking it easy. Yeah. But um, so they know that they're. It's basically going to be a collision between these two forces because they have to eventually get to uh, Star City. So the FBI comes out there and he's very hospitable with them. And uh, I think just through that, you could easily generalize that Bill Paxton's basically playing the character that Bill Paxton usually plays. He's very gregarious. He's very uh, homespun. He talks a lot. He's very loquacious. And which I think is like how he really is. Yeah, which I, what I've heard. heard is very much like him. So later in the movie, when you find out something about his character, you're like, wow, never would have suspected that. Although they do leave you clues. Oh, they, they start off with a red herring almost. Cause like they, like you kind of get the hint like, because it is Arkansas and like, he's a sheriff in a small town, like, uh, and he's staring at a black dude and his son. You kind of go like, is he a racist? And like, he drops the N word quite a few times, which make you go like, he's probably a racist. Very but casual. then- I'll, I'll let you take the rest from well, there. Well, yeah, and then even even his wife apologizes for behavior, and she's like, he grew up like that. He doesn't mean anything by it. Mm-hmm. But then there's a revelation later in the movie, which I'm sure we'll get to, um, that kind of recontextualizes everything you know about him or think about him. And uh, there's that's a great scene with his character. Everybody's so multifaceted in this movie. So... Later, when he's when you were talking about he wants to get promoted to the big city, there's a scene where he's eavesdropping on the two agents talking about him. <laughs> and just the shot of him is so heartbreaking as he's listening to the these two guys basically demoralize him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's one of the best pieces of acting he's ever done. Uh, just two two bad guys one bad girl and one complex <laughs> character in a bad situation <laughs> and after that scene you're like okay i could easily dismiss these two fbi agents because they're disrespectful to him and they think he's a country bumpkin but they're not incompetent 
and they're not sloppy and you still have some reverence for them because they're yeah. doing their job and they but don't want the loggerheads at all and he doesn't confront them about it no yeah. he, he knows where his place is and he knows that his dreams are kind of out of reach especially at this point right. so i but, think he he just wants to prove something to himself and this might be the only chance he has so i think yeah. He's not. He's gonna let it go so that he can at, at least finish this. Yeah, and you know that he's yeah. got lone wolf by the end, so he yeah. he, he kind of knows what's gonna happen. I, I think he kind of has I to go like, based on his uh, uh his backstory. But like yeah. um back with the uh, two cops, like uh kind of basically making fun of him uh behind his back, but they don't realize that he is behind their backs um when they do it. Um, I don't think he fully comprehends that like you know big city cops. Or just anybody from the any big city around this country, uh, that's kind of one of their shticks uh, anywhere. Like the, just the bullshit and like kind of poke fun, and they don't mean anything by it. So like uh, when uh, when they catch um, Billy Bob Thornton, no, not Billy Bob. Like when when they turn around and realize, oh, when they catch him, yeah, okay. when, they, when they realize that he listened to the whole time, yeah. they like they, they, you could genuinely see in their eyes that, that they actually feel sorry for what they said. But right. like that's kind of that's kind of how like you can't explain what the yeah. joke is because he's feels like the punchline. Yeah. Whereas like Paxton's character, he's he's from a small city in the middle of nowhere. So like generally people like that are as honest as they can be and like kind of polite and hokey. Mm-hmm. So like he probably never understood or will never understand that kind of like um cultural difference jakes the jakes yeah the jakes because like yeah uh you mentioned that there's a big secret that bill paxton has and it's not like we're gonna hide the spoilers but um cinda williams at this time was i think i think they became boyfriend girlfriend they were were married at the time of the movie they got married right after it filmed yeah but this doesn't come out so by the time it actually came out they divorced which is kind of funny. I mean, it's uh, But I, I thought she did a pretty good job. She she becomes the most complex character because what happens is, since she wants to go back to Star City, it's because she has a son back home. And as we watch Bill Paxson discover everything about the trio as he's going around, trying to figure out how to um, plant a trap, essentially, for them, he hopes. Uh, he realizes that she has a son, and where would that son have come from? you realize as it dawns over his face that it's his son. And they kind of hinted it there because he gets way too taken aback by the son. Yeah. And then and eventually it's very apparent because... Well, even the one that I... And, and, and to note, the, uh, the black guy with the kid earlier in the movie where I was like, said that you suspect that he might be racist, uh, that's his kid. Oh. That's kid. Yeah, no, no, that, that's, okay. that's basically... Uh, the kid and his and uh, his the uncle, uncle. yeah, yeah the, but like you assume that you, brother, you assume yeah. it's the black guy and the black guy's the dad and the kid <clears> and son. No, it's uncle and nephew. Yeah, I think the movies also the screenwriting at least is intelligent enough where they don't try to spring it on you like it's a soap opera twist. No, like at one point the FBI agent was like, "How do you exactly know her?" And Dale's like, gets uh, really defensive and he's like, "You know what? Let's just fucking go." and you're like well now i kind of suspect where this is headed so when they kill it you're like okay that that makes logical sense check that out the behavior from before yeah 
Um, I think they did it naturally enough, and the the big finale feels earned that way because then he almost has the confrontation that you would have when you find out you have a kid with someone, but it's <clears throat> within this really tense trap for the other two. Well, also, and then it goes it goes also, layers kid deep. That he had out of wedlock from his own marriage. She was, right. was like two, and, two or three years younger than his than his daughter with his wife. Yeah, she was so she like, was seventeen at the time. So you find out like another like not only does he have, you know, a a son, but he also has had a son after knocking up a seventeen year old while right. sheriff of the town. So like, like that's like the layers just keep going down. Right. <laughs> it's it's just turtles all the way down, man. Yeah, and you still sort of empathize with Bill Paxton despite yeah. how bad he actually is. Well, yeah, because not, 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 not all that good. All these characters have well, except maybe um, Billy Bob Thornton. There's a gray area. Yeah. All these characters. Yeah, Ray's, Ray's an asshole. Yeah, he's he's despicable from the game. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton's really good at playing white trash. He really is. There's oh, a part he, he, I think he got he either got heavier for the role or he was already kind of heavy at the time. But there's a part that's... Just no, he might have been already heavy. He may have been. Because he was a little bit chunky uh, with uh, when Tombstone the came ne- out. Like, the next thing yeah. he does is Tombstone, just like Bill. Both, both of them are, are then in Tombstone together. Yeah. So just I, how, I think how, after this. how unctuous and oily he is when he's eating that fried chicken on the bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want some of this, baby? Yeah. Yeah. He's the twitchiest, though. I really like how nervous he is in the. Uh, I was gonna say of the, he's the biggest loose cannon. Yeah. yeah, more so than Michael Beach. That's the interesting Ooh. thing. You don't really know what Michael Beach actually wants, because he keeps trying to get rid of Fantasia, and he's like, "She's the loose end here." But why do you want the twitchy guy who's going to give you away to the cops and end up? You have to. Well, because he because he he knows he's loyal. Loyal to the loyal to the cause yeah. or the uh, right. whereas, really muscle. Fantasia. whereas Fantasia, like she was right. like she wasn't like she didn't want to be a participant in the whole thing, but she went along with it because her boyfriend was involved. So right. so it was like she didn't have much of a choice. Whereas Ray Billy Bob Thornton, like right. uh, well, that's he was a criminal. He's that's a criminal. like this is his job. So like you yeah. can trust him, but not her. Yeah. Uh, yeah the title itself, you know, One Falls Move. Some people are just like, oh, there's nothing to do with anything in the movie. I'm like, well, no, it totally sets up the tone of the movie because, like, you, you, you see this this loose cannon, you see this quiet one, you see uh, this woman who, who you're not quite sure where her allegiance lies and everything. And then all of this stuff is like One False Move can just screw everybody over. Well, you know what? Jim, um, based on that, you know what epitomizes the title is um, the scene where they're pulled over by the state police, yeah. and then everything's going fine. They're very cordial until Billy Bob Thornton says, "Then why the fuck did you pull us over?" Yeah, yeah. And then it goes south very quickly. So it, just that one false move that he made uh, just turned the tide, and she became no uh, spoiler again. She became a murderer instead of just an accomplice. Yeah. It's funny because, like, throughout the whole movie, there's there's a lot of false moves. Yeah. The one thing I think is with criminals like this, do you think it's always going to end this way? There's a rare situation where it's like Shawshank Redemption sort of get away with it. 
Even though he obviously didn't really do well, well, Shawshank Redemption—that's a like, different. That, that, that was planned out over decades. Yeah, so it's the thing is in a in a film like this. Also, he was unjustly accused. There, yeah, yeah, that was a bad metaphor, um, or bad example. The uh, the the three of them are just trying to get away, but it's so fresh in everyone's mind. There's a manhunt. They're they're not going to get away from the manhunt unless they had a plan to begin with, and so you don't even need to make one false move there is it inevitable that they'll be caught whether it's in star city or back in los angeles or wherever they're going to end up because well, they don't want to do it again. Money, if they had split up the money pluto was planning on just leaving and going right city. so but would billy bob thorne get caught would michael beach get caught later i think it's inevitable that these people have I mean, it's, sort of confidence it's fatalistic and i'm sure there's like a there's a inexorability where it's just inevitable that this is going to come to a head at one point yeah. whether it's star city or somewhere else right and i think at least this film wants it to come to a head because of bill paxton so it kind right. of has to happen in star city it's not really about the three of them it's more about paxton right party's got to end sometime yeah uh, and they'll try to like split up and you know at first it's a strategic thing and then it's just um and then pluto and ray were gonna split up but then they found out that um fantasia took the money yeah and i mean that's sort of when you figure out her plan it was just to give the money to her kid yeah so i guess they do get away with it in the end because that kid ends up with the money maybe well the uncle has it doesn't it? i mean luckily there's no there's no uh apple i mean they would have I'm sure they. Yeah, I do. I do really like the final shot, even though the final shot's brilliant. Figures, yeah, it's a really good final shot. Yeah, no, it's a great final shot. Like yeah. it kind, it kind of, it, it tugs at the heartstrings, but then also like maybe you want to want a little more pull on them heart heartstrings because like, damn. I think it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No. You want you want more sadness. Yeah, I want to say I didn't need to. I didn't need to. Cut I don't like happy endings. That would have felt. Yeah, I'm just cool. glad they didn't cut to like, you know, the title cards at the end. Like, so and so was, grew up to be, the next oh, chief of police. And, I, yeah, I, I think also like I think before even before the term systemic racism came up, ever was coined or I don't know. Uh, it kind of it kind of leads into that. Like there, there's a bit of a cycle that. That could repeat itself. Sure. Even if the kid did get money, like it just it just sets a tone for like, um, what's his future going to be like? I think that like that that ambiguity uh, kind of like, well, even into that too. Yeah, I mean, well, even um, the fact that he had this child, this uh, biracial child, you're just like, was the sex between them consensual? Did he rape her? You're not sure because they're not. I mean, she's a little more amenable about it because she said, I never meant to cause you any trouble. Right. Yeah. So she never went and told his wife or anything. So yeah. you're not quite sure if she seduced him to get out of like, you can all deduce, you can deduce these things in your mind. The good thing about the movie is it doesn't spell it out for you. Right. Um, yeah, I got the sense that you, per it seems like you might've gotten a different idea. Like she had done a crime and he offered a way out of it. I was thinking she was in right. the that someone else that had done a crime, maybe her brother or something. Yeah, and you're not quite sure. So you don't really need to know. Right. But something happened where there was an exchange to make sure bad things didn't happen. But that's the bad thing that sort of happens. Right. Yeah. 
So I, I think that's the impetus of the film. I mean, if that didn't, didn't happen, they wouldn't be going towards Arkansas. So right. she kind of makes the other two criminals go that way. I think it's a well, great- uh, Ray, her boyfriend, like he has an uncle out there. So like he- he uh... Yeah, he thinks they're just going to Texas. Yeah, well, yeah, they're, well, they're trying to sell off the stuff too. Yeah, Texas. so like- So I guess there's like three avenues they're sort of going to. I mean, they're using a lot of it on the way. Yeah, you can tell that uh, at least one since Billy Bob Thornton's an actor that he wrote really juicy roles for the other actors. Like this is this is almost like a Goodwill Hunting. Like they wrote this as material that they could show off Mm -hmm. skills with something like this. And he he's very generous because he gives uh, Bill Paxton a hell of a role in this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I uh, want to point out because I don't know if you guys like him as much as I do, but Michael Beach, uh, he's he's a jerk in a lot of films in Soul Food and um, what's the, what's the other big one he was in? Um, waiting to exhale. Yeah, waiting to exhale. So he's kind of a jerk in all these movies or a psychopath in this. He mm-hmm. was the nicest character on the show Third Watch that came out around 2000, lasted a few years. He's the head paramedic, and so that's what I knew him from. I thought he was the coolest guy. And he shows up in all these films as an asshole. So I really like that he actually had this streak where he could show off a range between that show and these. Almost like Andre Brower. Yeah. Jerk and everything. Yeah. And he's, he's. I heard Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I heard he's. He's, he's great in work on Nine-Nine, but he's yeah. nice in that. So I guess it's kind of the same idea. Yeah. Yeah. I was just happy to see Michael Beach get a good, a, a juicy performance. So sure. he also gets a good. I think. A well-written. This might be from. my first Michael Beach. You never film. saw him in anything. I don't think I've seen it. He... Yeah. I know you never saw Third Watch. But... Yeah. Hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's mostly in television. So, like, I just. Yeah, he he's also an Aquaman. If he's. Oh, I didn't, he see, didn't see that. Yeah, no, yeah. He showed up as uh, Manta's father or whatever that character oh. is. So. Black he's Manta. Had, he's had a lot. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I barely watch it. It's it's the dude Black that played recently. He uh, he's the villain in Aquaman. Oh. And Michael Beach plays his father, and the the reason that he's a villain is because Aquaman kills his father, I think, in the first scene. It's a I don't remember. Movie. The movie's very forgettable. The movie's yeah, I, I never bothered oh. seeing Aquaman. I know yeah. I keep getting Aquaman characters confused with the Sp- the SpongeBob knockoff. <laughs> yeah. You're better off with that. SpongeBob three, where Aquaman. Yeah. Um, yeah. but Michael Man, Beach right. of a resurgence, so it's it's good to see him come around too. Yeah. Cinder Williams, unfortunately, never really showed up in anything else. Uh, Fun fact about this movie. Um, apparently, this was Gene Siskel's favorite movie of 1992. Oh, yeah, I saw that. You know what? Might be one of, might be mine. I don't know. Yeah. I know, I know because of that, that's what pushed this further into the public consciousness. Yeah. Because this barely came out. It it got 15th at the box office, made like $44,000 total. So it was not in theaters very long. It was supposed to go straight to video. Yeah. Though it keeps having this sort of, people want it to be discovered. So it got put into theaters after uh, audiences liked it enough to get it put into theaters. But it still didn't make any money. So then Cisco likes it. I was so going to say, the weird thing is... And that's where we come in. This is our, our responsibility. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think this is a case yeah. where Cisco and Eber gave it two thumbs up and they heavily advertised it with their endorsement. So I think their their stamp of approval actually helped the movie a bit. Yeah. 
which it did with like stuff like hoop dreams and some other things that people mm-hmm. were kind of sleeping on at the time. Right. So it's what it actually one of the one of the prime examples of when critics actually make a difference in getting word of mouth out there. Right. Surprisingly. I don't know that that happens anymore, especially with it doesn't happen anymore really. Have, but this 90s were prime for people like Cisco and Ebert at least to to push things. Right. So but so do we yeah. want to wrap it up? Anybody else got any other thoughts about it? I'm trying to think. I don't really. Grades? I mean, the other, the other film we were going to bring up, I'm sure we might talk about it later uh, again, but the other film that Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton do later is A Simple Plan, which is also written by Thornton and Epperson, uh, directed by Sam Raimi. No, they didn't write it. They didn't write it? I thought. No. Was it Sam Raimi that wrote they it? Wrote, they wrote The Gift. Ah, uh, that's the next thing they do together. Okay, but either way, Bill Paxton's with Thornton in uh, a simple plan, which that's another fantastic movie too. That I love even more. Uh, similarly, uh, it's actually a better version of No Country for Old Men. Yeah, it, it's basically No Country for Old Men in a one spot. <laughs> so, but uh, uh-huh. I would probably give it an A plus. I think it's hard-boiled. It's intelligent. It shows that um, crime dramas don't have to be just shoot 'em ups. You can actually have deep, layered characterizations with this, with stuff like this. I mean, it did have a shoot 'em up at the end, so it did, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. Purely, it wasn't purely for kinetic sake. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like a, it was, uh, like a shoot 'em up. It was deeply ingrained. In yeah, yeah, it was. It was deeply ingrained in like his desire to prove himself to the fbi and his heroics his kind of hero complex so everything was character motivated which was good with this movie i thought i I love it uh i think you guys made me like this more than i did before we started recording i was kind of down on the film because i think the quality of the film itself wants itself to have kind of a low budget feel which yeah they're just starting out so i kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt okay. uh, but there were a lot of plot points that i was like okay i guess i just have to accept what these characters are doing so yeah. i wasn't really excited about the writing per se um, did we did we have a god damn it count <laughs> yeah that seemed to be yeah. like billy yeah. bob's yeah. only yeah. only like his catchphrase in the film was God damn it. Honestly, that's kind of catchphrase in a lot of movies. Yeah, that's just his yeah. Billy Bob in a bad Santa, he says a lot too. Yeah. Uh I would say I'd probably give this a B minus. Okay. It's kind of low, yeah. but I mean I had it lower. So. Uh, not, I'm gonna go with Corey on this A plus. Like I, I love I love the uh uh the character acting and the in their development. Like it's yeah. it, it works for me. Yeah, yeah I I'm gonna split the difference here. I give it a B. Like I like the flow of it and the arc for most of the people. I thought that like the violence and everything was a little excessive at the very, very beginning. I'm like, I can see why mm. this would not have held up if it weren't for like, you know, Siskel's approval and all this other Perfect. stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it starts <laughs> off with like it starts off with traumatizing murder and almost a rape, maybe. Like we're not like 
and then that that's where we start and then it goes yeah. and you're like okay you're supposed to realize that these guys are the bad guys but then you're supposed to feel bad for them later on and i'm like i don't think you're gonna get supposed to feel bad little for bits them. well yeah, i i thought the film was gonna have more gore because of that first scene yeah prepared, and then it was just kind of a pop oiler so yeah. i think that's why i was a little off on it yeah. Not like this violence. Beginning kind of reminds me of the tone, makes, was, the tone was a little shifty. I think throughout. it makes makes for a good bookend because like there's extreme violence at the beginning and then yeah. like more emotional violence at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah, and it becomes and then violence in the middle where I uh, think that has I think it has to have so yeah. there's like, there's brutal violence senseless violence and then emotional violence and then there's Shakespearean um, violence wherever all the main characters die at the end. Yeah, oh, sure. yeah, and then Shakespeare, it's very Shakespearean. The, the points you're all making make me like it more because, <laughs> like, if you think about it, Fantasia is the one that has to get the top, but that brings her to the level of the other three men. Uh, I was gonna say, I think, I think you have to have the exciting I mean, incident at the beginning of that violent. I think it has to be that ultra violent in order to get the attention of the LA police and start this mm-hmm. man across yeah. the country. So it has to be that, sure. violent. yeah. So you're making me right. like, maybe I'll move up to B. You know what, honestly, the beginning uh, kind of reminded me of that that violent act at the beginning kind of reminded me of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. If anybody remembers, there's a uh, there's actually a part where they break into somebody's house and they're being videotaped, so it's kind of the same way. Mm. But it's not nearly as um, docu-realistic. Yeah. That dancing in the beginning was pretty good, though. Did she? I feel bad for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we have our grades. Yeah, so yeah, we have a wide spectrum here. Yeah, it's not too bad. We never go down to F. That's the point. I guess we're trying to find. I mean, gems yeah, that we, we, we would have. We would have. We had to change. Cool as ice to not be the main feature that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did that on purpose to ourselves. There yeah. wasn't really anything. That would have been an F. One. I mean, so. again, cool as ice. Like the the cinematography is what made it good, but like. Yeah, there what? Enough. You can yeah, find the things in even the world. Don't even look for a silver lining in that thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, gotta give it some vanilla ice was in it. That's we're here I'm to find. Good. We're here to find the good in the bad, and that's why we seek out the, the hidden. Find the good and the bad and the ugly and the weird. Yeah, and the weird. Uh, so what? What else came out of this movie? Um, folks, with uh, Tom Selleck during this period was really trying to transition the movies. And because he passed up Indiana Jones, I felt like he was just kind of desperately picking anything to try to get his his stamp in the film. Wait, wait. Tom Selleck passed up Indiana Jones? Yes. You never knew this? No, I didn't. He he passed it up, and then I think he was contractually obligated to do Magnum P.I. He wasn't. He didn't pass it up on purpose. (laughs) Yeah, no. It's just like movie completely. Yeah, you'd have a mustache. It's just like uh, Chris Brosnan couldn't do Bond at one yeah, point. Remington Steel. So, but uh, this is like a really stillborn comedy about him, uh, kind of being like in Murphy's Law with his with his father who has dementia. They make a lot of dementia jokes with his father's played by Don Amici, and he just basically does a lot of pratfalls and ruins his life. Mm. it's a terrible comedy yeah okay um k2 came out this month which is uh michael bean 
what is uh is a mountaineer it's him and um matt craven mm-hmm. uh who's a character actor people might know he yeah. um, don't know who matt craven is okay. we know michael bean yeah we love, yeah. We love but, um, yeah but um He's a lawyer and things so yeah so, so if it's, the movie uh, k2 is there a sequel called so no it's uh, no. It's the mountain K2. The mountain, the mountain K2. Sorry and, about uh, it's Sorry. it's the same problem that all these movies have where I'm just like, okay, these people are daredevils. They do this by their own volition. I don't care if they if they get hurt. They knew the risk going up there and they're doing really stupid things as they go up there. So it's kind of hard to sympathize. Paxton's buddy though in Terminator and Aliens. Yeah. Um here's a sequel that uh I know Tristan likes quite a bit. Lethal Weapon 3. Oh, right. That's the one I mentioned earlier was in the box office game. Of right. Movie. That that comes out the week after. Finally knocks Basic Instinct off. Basic Instinct had been in the top spot for like six straight weeks. Yeah. And so the weapon finally comes. And obviously it's a big film. So really of the, of the four movies, I feel like this is the one that's kind of derided the most, but I really like it. I I, th- I like all four of the movies, but this is the one that everybody seems to not like when they're fans of the franchise. I watched all four kind of in order when I finally got around to seeing the first Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. And I liked each one more than the next. I wouldn't say like Lethal Weapon 4 is the best one because Lethal Weapon itself establishes everything. Sure. Uh, it's it's got to be the best. But you it's have to like about all four of them. And I think in the in the terms of when they're released, people were like, expecting a certain type of pattern and joe pesci's insertion into the series feels like a really loud unnecessary uh i kind of felt that like joe pesci they put chris rock in there yeah i think i think what they were trying to do was um have some forced comedy but watching it back to back you don't get that sense it feels like just a new chapter they meet new people and add them to their family so that you like everyone that is added. Yeah, the third one that the, the only add, the only person they add is Renee Russo, and she yeah. has really good chemistry with Mel Gibson. I thought. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea which movie oh, yeah. is which for the Lethal Weapon is series. Is she added in yeah. the second one? He's added in the second movie. So that's the thing because I watched them right in steps. It didn't feel like an unnecessary thing. I think I think with three they they thought he was louder and more annoying. That's what it is. Hmm. I think also like by the time, like since I haven't seen the movies, but I'm assuming based on three and like when it would have come out, like it probably would have been like, like a certain, yeah, a certain kind of comedy in the '90s where like right. you got to kind of have to be a little more. Uh, it's not as you know what they got. You got to have that more aggressively funny guy in yeah. there because like the comedy got a lot of the buddy cop, cop comedy, wrong, but if you look at a lot of the buddy cop comedies, like you'll see like somewhere along the series they inject a loud funny guy right and like just about any of them you like, i don't know like even uh die hard has one maybe no, no Justin Long. yeah no, Justin Long. Long. he exactly. shows up later that's like oh eight yeah that's yeah like, or it's, seven. A, it's a it's a cold over of the night kevin smith yeah. show up too yeah well, no, yeah, kevin smith's your loud funny guy now yeah um yeah, I guess that, that's a point, but I I funny parts throughout the whole series, and so three, a lot of people thought was a downswing. I think it, it levels off the same as the other three. I think they're all good. Honestly, the set, even people who don't like the third one, always remember that set piece at the beginning when the uh, the cutting the red wire, the blue wire, and that um 
in that yeah. garage. Everybody remembers that set piece. And it's three. Everybody now. remembers when they're there's classic scenes in this. They're comparing scars. Everybody remembers that scene. Mm-hmm. There's actually a really emotional arc with Murtaugh accidentally shooting a kid. Oh, right. Ooh. That's this yeah. one. See, this is the funny thing. I think of all these scenes as one big film, I think. Right. So, so yeah, yeah, I mean, be, because they have Richard Donner directing all four, I think the tone's pretty consistent. Yeah. So this, like you said, this plateaus, it continues. Mm-hmm. at the same level as the other ones yeah and they don't lose any of the characters luckily because you introduce renee russo here but the payoffs in four you have joe pesci show up obviously apparently in two and the payoff yeah. he is their brother by the end so it's it's you know it, it's not like he disappears and if he did i think there they would have been fine but like it becomes this cohesive uh, full full cathartic piece by the end right so it's just an important chapter rather than uh, an unnecessary sequel. Yeah. It's where, yeah, I mean, with serialized TV, this is almost like serialized film franchise. So right. I have a problem if movies want to continue that. Yeah. In a long form way. Right. Yeah. TV can do it, but movies can't do it. Seems yeah. Critical. I, don't, I don't know if you could do it these days, though. The best example now is Fast and Furious because they keep adding characters, but they're all important still, even if they don't get that much to do in this chapter. Right. It's a little less soulful, some might say, because of the action pieces, but right. that's the because of the advent of CGI. So, yeah. yeah, like Stallone was saying the same thing about Rocky. Like Rocky's a serialized drama. Yeah, I guess they are still kind of doing it. Yeah, Rambo could have. <laughs> Um, another third chapter that came out this month, another one that was heavily maligned when it came out, Alien 3. Mm. Yeah, I think this is fine. I like it. It's Fincher's first movie, David Fincher's first movie. Yeah, ever. I think, depending on the cut you watch, it's good, but again, I can see why people didn't like it because it's definitely the most despondent of the three. I think this is the dramatic, if the first one's the science fiction movie or the horror movie, the second one is an action movie. This one's the character-driven drama in a way because it's very somber. And um, I think they give Ripley closure with this one. So they don't really need to go into that fourth one. I think actually this like establishes Fincher's like color palette mm-hmm. and the way he negotiates like a very kind of foreboding sinister tone for uh for a uh, special effects thing uh alien 3 was good in the fact that like they they brought more of the alien to life because they made it cgi i mean it's a little weird seeing it now yeah but like it's the alien so like you could kind of overlook it because like it's just like all right um but like um i feel like they might with alien 3 they're trying maybe uh you do have a point with the, uh, like the character uh, driven bit about it, but I think they, they, they are trying to make it more like go back to the horror uh, yeah. part. Because like the, it, it did, does like uh, um, there are parts in the movie where it does like raise your anxiety levels like it's like what the fuck is going to happen next? Um, and you know I've gone back and forth between the different cuts. I have like from my memory it's very hard for me to like uh, 
I can tell you the difference. Like all of it is just one big jumble for me, no matter what, what cut it is. The weapon. Well, yeah. in one cut, the alien spawns from a cow, and then another cut yeah. spawns from a dog. I dog, think. yeah, from a dog. It, I guess based, a based on those different cuts, it exhibits different behavior based on what animal it would spawn from. So that's interesting. Yeah, but like I think it yeah. both doesn't doesn't like it show like a little more intelligence than like the previous uh, incarnations of the uh, xenomorph. Sure. Yeah. It, really also, point out, it points out that it does behave differently. And again, like with going back to Lethal Weapon 3, like there's stuff from this that is, is as iconic as anything from the franchise. Like I think a lot of people remember Ripley with that bald head. Sure. Yeah. Like that's an iconic image and, it, and that happened in 3. Yeah, I think people start to, yeah. to retroactively place it in 2 because they think She's a uh, she's a badass, kind of like Linda Hamilton in T two. So they yeah. think she has the bald head already. And I get it. People were probably burned for the fact that Hicks and Newt were killed off right away. Right. And Don't like they, that. This movie. This movie went through so much development hell. It's it went through so many rewrites, so many different drafts. There was one. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, Neil Blomkamp was going to do a proper Alien three. Yeah. Which was going to be. They go back to uh, the alien home planet and extinguish them all. So it was going to be a big action extravaganza. I feel like they didn't have the budget for that. I, I feel like with Alien Three having uh, Hicks and uh, um, Newt die at the beginning uh, kind of makes it better for uh, Ripley's character with with having to deal with trauma because yeah, an alien exactly at this, one, at this point she, she has, has nothing to lose. Her and this alien, alien have been together it's almost symbiotic her and this alien have been together and also you find out in the second movie she has a maternal instinct obviously with newt so when you find out that the one alien is the last alien vestige is gestating inside of her they're just like oh my god this is this plays on all her fears of motherhood it's actually weirdly the subtext is actually pretty ingenious in the movie i guess that was lost people that went to the theater but yeah because like uh with the second movie like since it was all action uh she didn't really get a chance to deal with the trauma of what she did had had gone through in the first movie yeah but then she did also didn't have like she she didn't really get the opportunity to deal with the trauma of like not being there for her daughter growing up because like she was frozen in cryo for like 50 years Something something like that so like um when you get to the third alien movie um having her lose two people that like she um became close to in a very short amount of time yeah and was thrusted into this like just like nightmarish hellhole of a planet yeah and then now there's another no more uh she has to come to terms with like again this creature that she's basically grown with I think it's also like speed two cruise control where she can't believe she's in this situation again. So uh, maybe I don't know. It's like any of those disaster films, like Jurassic Park. They're all like, "Why am I on an island with dinosaurs again? How did this happen?" I heard two comments on that pretty heavily. Yeah, so in the same situation. I had the same guy twice. Yeah, so there's a lot of trauma in this. I think I think a lot of people didn't like it because it went from that action down to a contemplative drama. So the trauma. You're right. Yeah, it's, it's weird. As a kid, I love that, which is really down. weird. Like like kids want action, and I was like, I like this movie. I like. Yeah, that's it. why I, I liked it too. Yeah. And then like uh, 
you know, I mean, you get you do get Bishop back like later on in Alien Three. Yeah. Uh, but briefly, real Bishop. Yeah. The real one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but uh, oh, and then uh, I like those links though. Uh, and then like the uh, the uh, they oh do Easter eggs well in this franchise. Mm -hmm. The the Lannister from Game of Thrones, who's in Alien. Oh, Charles. Oh, well, yeah, Charles Dance. Like that's um, basically what you were saying. She 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 thought she could love again. Yeah, or, or at least again. Like, open up and bond with somebody and relate to somebody, but then like that, gone, dead. That's yeah. it. No more. Okay, so at oh. this point in the movie, she has nothing to lose. Yeah. yeah. I also think a lot of the kills are fun. Oh, yeah, the kills are the best. But that the, the location lends itself to that sort of thing. So sorry, Jeff. I feel like you've never seen this. Yeah. So sorry we're spoiling. I don't know if he has any interest in the aliens movie. I mean, I do. Jeff, Jeff oh, has sorry. to watch it. There's two different cuts, so it doesn't really matter. It's just gonna mute you, you guys. Just like give me a thumbs up when you're done. Bye. <laughs> I think we can move on. No, I'm trying to milk this. This is what we're milking. We'll, we're gonna spoil we'll, more. We'll try to show you uh, Alien Three soon, Jeff. Yeah, that's fine. I think it's due for a rewatch. Oh, yeah. Um, a hey, Ron said Came out this month. Ron Howard movie came out this month, Far and Away. Oh, kind of, yeah. Kind of an outlier for uh, Ron Howard because uh, it's about <clears throat> the uh, it's about uh, Tom Cruise and the Irish immigration, I think. Oh, yeah. I've seen you never saw I've it? seen bits of this. Movie, I've seen it a long, long time ago. Okay, yeah. This is what I, I wanted to watch this in time for this podcast, much like I'd watch Days of Thunder because these are the two weird not early 90s Tom Cruise. What does he want to do with his career? But he I remember it being kind of sappy. Yeah. And this, this him and Nicole Kim is and a half hours long, so I never really cared oh. to get around to it. Yeah, that's too, that's too much. <laughs> he's, a, he's a boxer, an amateur boxer, I believe. I have no idea. But anyway, um, he's doing a terrible accent. That's, it's almost like Kevin Costner and Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, I think Days of Thunder is the one to go with if you want to see him and Nicole. Yeah. Or eyes wide shut. I'd have to rewatch it again. But. Right. Um, and then I know a movie everybody wants to talk about. Sister Act came out this month. I do love Sister Act. Yeah, Sister Act's pretty good. I don't know if you're being facetious. <laughs> I never cared for it, but oh yeah, this is the type of comedy that you don't like. So. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I never thought Whoopi Goldberg was especially thrust into a situation they don't I mean, really like. Fish good, out of water. It's a good feel good movie. Yeah, I love Whoopi Goldberg. So her early nineties are pretty solid. Boy, the 80s were tough on her, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't even know she was had a career in the 80s, to be honest. Oh, she did. That's where she started. She's in the yeah. 80s and 90s. She started off, she's one of the three with Billy Crystal and Robin. Comic Relief. That charity comedy thing. So they're Comic Relief. Mm. She had her own films. They're not, I think, as big as her 90s films. They, uh, actually, yeah. I guess the first the, movie. She was in that, right? Yeah, that's her Color Purple was the first that, movie. That's in the 80s. Yeah, that's yeah. 86. 86. Okay, all right. So exactly. I, I know one thing she is in in the 80s. Yeah. I don't like, I didn't... obviously, that's more of a drama, but she starts doing comedies in the late 80s. She meets Ted Dance in day 10. Uh, I... not, not why she's in comedies, it's just they met because they're both in comedies. You know what's funny? I actually like that movie, Made in America, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, they were dating at the time. She was also dating Frank Langella at one point. Yeah, let's not go into that. Uh, but yeah, the 80s, she was doing a lot of... I feel like she was doing a lot of formulaic comedies that they just put her in. Mm -hmm. Like Jumpin' Jack Flash, Burglar, Fatal uh, <laughs> Beauty, all these stupid movies that... Yeah, which are unfortunate because it's not really her that's bad about it. It's the script, I'd say. It's a script. They squander her 
talents. Yeah. But obviously, when Ghost came around, they finally found a vehicle that she could do because it balances her com comedy talents Ooh. with a drama. So this this a this and Ghost. Her and Ray Liotta. Oh, Corinna, Corinna comes out. Oh, of that's one of your favorites. I was, I was going to lead to this. Yeah, I was, I was, so, I, I was going to say, I, it's re after I, this. I, like, uh, I really like that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I showed that Corinna, Corinna to uh, Rebecca and Jimmy, and they both oh. liked it a lot. This was a film that I <clears> for. It was my favorite of her performances in the 90s. But I think she had a pretty solid track record starting with Ghost. So this, this shows off her comedic talents finally, and is right. a big hit. So I think these three films, or at least those two, lead into so showcase too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's why she it leads into her being like an iconic force, and she chooses to sit in the view and just right. become a talking head. So yeah. But I love Sister Act. I don't know. You've never seen it. I've seen Sister Act. Uh, I, I like Sister Act. It's yeah. good. It's good. Yeah. It's been a very long time since I've seen it because, like, yeah. uh, last time I saw it was uh, probably in like '93. Uh, I, always no, I would have to say 2000 something was the last yeah. time I saw it. I always forget that Harvey guy tells the main villain. Oh yeah, <laughs> I totally forget. Yeah, because it seems weird because he is not playing it for comedy. Mm -hmm. Playing it straight as a mob boss. Well, that's good. Like he seems like he's out for a Scorsese movie. That's why the tone kind of clapped. Interesting. I kind of want to watch it again. I think Jack. Is, you know what? This is the first movie where I think I saw Maggie Smith. Yeah, me too. I didn't realize it was her until I was watching Downton Abbey, and I, I looked back at her filmography. And I'm like, oh, I've known her for my whole life. Okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll watch that one too, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bud. On this infinite weekend where we have all the time to watch all the movies that I <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get there. That I've never seen. All right, so um this is hell. Hell is my watch list. <laughs> <laughs> so we can actually do poster boy now. Yeah, this is this is your time to shine, bud. You have to all right. Here's some jumping jacks. Put on that thinking cap, buddy. Now this is gonna be you gotta, you gotta do the Pokemon thing. Really? Uh, That's backwards, um, so I mean business. There we go. Did it the right way. So, can you tell us what's going on on this screen? <laughs> what are you doing? Wow, dude. It's a void. Listen, you are absolutely mean. Listen, Why? I'm not going to make you guess what this film is based on this. So it's I'm gonna it's the... I'm gonna give the you void. A, this is a blank palette, so it's, the it's mist. not going to tell you anything right away. So, so obviously it has the credits at the bottom. So I'm going to give you the second thing. Snowpiercer. Oh my God, Sean Astin and Paulie Shore in this movie. Maybe. I think the I hell. Sorry. There we go. All right. Uh, okay. Oh, I know this. Yeah, I know this. Don't. All don't. right. Unless you want to. No, no, no. They no, got no. the the chimpanzee to the Homo erectus chart. Yep. So if you had this monkey, half if, monkey, and man. If I came into a boardroom and said, I got a film for you guys, you know, this usually comes in fours. Yes. What would you put in the fourth spot? A dude sitting at a computer. This is an office space, though, is it? No, it's not. No. Office space. Yes, no, no, office space. Yes, actually. I like that. <laughs> I'm trying to present to you as if if you're coming in. That's more of an idiocracy. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mike Judge, either way. That's yeah. that, is, that is kind of a thing Mike Judge would do. Mm -hmm. So the fourth, I'm thinking it's just going to be Paulie Shore in like a mech suit or something, honestly. Very close. 
Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be some sort of like almost like jackass with heart. This is okay. like <clears throat> so. Before I show you what it actually is, I wanted to ask. Now you've come up with an idea of what these this evolution would become. What would you call that film? Hmm. With whatever you've come up with as the fourth creature. The evolution of man becomes uh, inventing Pauly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, 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 no. That's actually kind of funny. I think food chain. Um, Obviously, this is an abstract idea. So I. I am yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Evolution's already been done. Also, a fantastic film. 2000. So it's not. Yes. It was really good. Yeah. Okay. Those two. Just are called, good. This is just called Erectus. I feel like I'm sorry. I see. <laughs> I see Paulie Shore's name, and it just so, ruins everything. Just like, really? yeah. 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 Oh yeah, I guess I left Paulie Shore in there. And Sean Aston. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Who do you think that is? Okay. If I write his name, it's not Paulie Shore. Is that? No, that's not Knoxville. It's too early. To <laughs> Uh, I want to say, oh, it's actually the Freddie Prince Jr. No, that's not a bad guess, actually. Yeah, it kind of looks like him. He's a little thin. Yeah. He's not a beefcake yet. Or um, <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not a stud. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, he's got like dreads, popular. skater outfit. He's he's boarding, um, rocking out a little bit. Hawaiian so a bit of a a bit of a resurgence now. This actor, hang on. So now, now that you know, uh, Timothy Oliphant. I mean, he, he could he could be yeah. in a uh, uh, he could be in a dune buggy rolling around in the desert. All right, all right, stop. Uh, so now that you know that it becomes this skateboarding guy, uh, what would you say the plot of the film is? Because this is it. This is the entire plot. There's a catchphrase above it in the title below, or vice versa, I think. Planet of the Skaters. No, uh, <laughs> this isn't Lords of Dogtown. That's too early. Um, <laughs> I feel like. All right. So the plot, it's got to be some dude is like dropping out of high school just to go try. Like it, it's it's sort of like a an origin story of Dave Spicoli, <laughs> the Dave Spicoli type character. Just it's sort of like this this slackers evolution as he gets you know he has to learn the error of his ways and stop Dude, being such a doofus before he has to go on to college he is on this? <laughs> jimmy knew what it was immediately <laughs> oh yeah no <laughs> yeah Sorry. i, I, I feel like, like this is know. back to school <laughs> no. i mean he's a cult <laughs> classic all right, I think I I give you the catchphrase next. He's pulling but I like out. I like your plot because that yeah. that's in line with what you were saying. <laughs> Where the Stone Age meets the Rock Age. This is like my neighbor's a caveman or something. There you go. Hey. Yeah, that's me on some plot. Okay. So okay. what would you what would you call this then? I'd be shocked if you'll know this movie. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah. Rock of Ages. Stoned. 
I think the catchphrase is throwing you off. Inventing the yeah, you're goddamn right. It is inventing the wheel. Uh. Well, you know the um, famous Leonardo da Vinci poster of the arms going the the guy yeah, Vitru- with the arms with the Vitruvian man. Yeah. So, what would you say if you found the evolution of man here? Somewhere along the line, something went horribly wrong. <laughs> um, the downfall of man. Downfall. All right, I'll Trivio. put you I don't think I genuinely I genuinely don't know. I'm actually yeah, I think he's I'll not phrased it. by these. Yeah. I'm getting I'm getting like the You know the title. Right? Oh yeah. Oh I know the title. What's, what's the title before yeah. I bring it? Encino Man. Oh, I forgot there's another catchphrase. <laughs> Chilling new company in full Neander vision. Yeah. No, wait, no, no. Encino Man. God. Can you guess who that is? Did do you have any other guesses as to who that might be? Yeah, that um, I'm gonna try not to look at the bottom. How oh, true, yeah. His name's up. <clears throat> I can't tell, honestly. Like, yeah, he doesn't look like himself. He doesn't. Uh, obviously, since you know the film, you yeah. know who it is. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's Brendan Fraser. Yeah, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, this is one of his first films. Like, wow. obviously, we saw him in Dog Fight. Oh, Dog Town. <laughs> took me way too long to come to the film we covered. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, his his film debut is Dogfight. Uh, he ends up in School Ties and has a more significant role. But then this is his quote breakout role, yes. where he is a caveman that thaws in Encino, and Sean Astin and Polly Shore discover him and hide him in their basement. Yeah, and the the, the how he thaws is uh, uh, Sean Astin and Polly Shore are digging in their backyard to make a pool. Sure, because it's summer it's summer break. Yeah, so they they want to have a pool party, and they just. Happen to have a caveman instead. Fantastic. Interesting. Yeah, it's, I've actually it's I've never seen this movie. I have no idea how I've not seen this movie. It's ridiculous. But I mean, the nostalgia factor yeah. for it is uh, high, but have I you still... heard of it, Jeff? Oh, I've, I've heard of it. Okay. I just didn't know like what the plot was at all. Sure. I thought it's that it was perfect. It sounded it sounded more like you know. Now here's the funny part. I I don't I haven't seen this poster. Up until recently, I had seen an, an alternate poster with him and Pauly Shore, so I automatically assumed that this was Pauly Shore's. He was the star of this. I didn't know yeah. Sean Astin was a star. Well, Pauly Shore was peaking around now, but Sean Astin and Justin Toy Soldiers, another thing we covered. So it was, he was sort of in a low point because he wasn't really hitting as high as he had with Rudy. So this is kind of the last thing Sean Astin does for a while because it doesn't do incredibly well. And it's really clear that Polly Shore is the standout here and Brendan Fraser breaks out from this. So even yeah. though he's listed first in the credits there, he's forgotten from this film. Right. And he's yeah. just as good as the other two. They're all, they all have good chemistry. <clears throat> hmm. I think it's, it's Polly Shore's best moment. Uh, really? Because he's not as annoying because Sean Astin balances him out. He's not like... It's not even a goofy movie. movie? Well, that's a different story. Um, but you don't see it. The one where you actually see Polly Shore. Oh, okay. So, um, again, the nostalgia factor is high. So I don't know. The son-in-law. Film, yeah, I don't. But, I don't remember the ending, to be honest. Yeah, they just kind of figured out. There's a guy trying to chase him, like an FBI agent. Or is something. it Richard Mazur? Knows it's happening. Yeah, it's Richard Mazur, okay. and uh, he wants in on what happens. He thinks he's going to make money off of this caveman. Like, look, we found him. Basically, oh, like they they caveman this- lawyer that Phil Hartman played. I think this premise before with uh, Ringo Starr. Yes. Caveman. Yes. It's, it's like a better version of that. Um, 
I also think that Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer is a rip on this specifically. It's funny. It's a funny scam. And, like it. This also like helps Brendan Fraser because late, later on, like because he's got the uh, you know, ro like rock out vibe. He ends up uh, being uh, the. Flash from the past? No, 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 no flash from the past. Where, where he's like uh, in a metal band. And they want to uh, airheads. Yeah, airheads. There oh, yeah. we go. Yeah. So the like, next this thing kinda, he does is airheads. Yeah. So, so this kind of helps. I like, like airheads. Yeah. Helps him move along. I think it's more focused than this, but it leads into this. Like it's a good double feature if you want to see early Brendan Fraser. Yeah. So, I I don't think it's the best film ever, but I think it's fun. Yeah. So even if the nostalgia is blinding me a little, it's, it's still worth a watch. Yeah. It's Especially good, if you're a completist and you you want to see a, a Brennan Fraser yeah. sounds. Yeah, it's a, it's a good '90s uh, film mm -hmm. flick. I like the other movie that director did, which was uh, Blue Streak. So, uh, who is this? Anyway, we have one more for you, Jeff, and I almost guarantee you've never heard of this film. Uh, but I want to give you hell if I didn't know Encino Man, we're never <laughs> finishing yeah. this. Well, you heard of Encino Man, but you didn't know it. That's true. This one you probably won't know at all and probably won't have heard of, but I want to give you the poster and see if you can come up with a good plot and, and we'll just kind of give it to you. Mm. So it's a, a bit of an abstract poster as well, but it lends you to have an idea of what it could yeah. be about. And I'll try right. to leave you into so it's a, YouTube, Jimmy, because I don't so think it, you can decide it. It's a faded horizon at the top with a cab on the right side. And it's going toward all these famous landmarks, the Statue of Liberty, the Eiffel Tower, the Coliseum. Um, Taxi driver around the world. <laughs> driving around the world. Right. Exactly. So, um, all right. I don't know. Some sort of ultimate road trip movie in a cab. Mm -hmm. Taxi driver two. <laughs> oh, it's... It's like the Magic School Bus, but it's the Magic's Taxi. Ta taxi Driver World Tour. Um, or just called World Tour. Yeah. Right. Music by Tom Waits. There's your one hint. That, that should give you a hint as to who the filmmaker is, actually. I don't guarantee that you'll get that at all, though. Um, I don't... I, I genuinely... It's It's got to be something... Obviously, I'm sure this is way too abstract because this marks. is a really indie director, and yeah. this is sort of the type of movie that person would make. Yeah. But see if this helps at all. From the director of Stranger Than Paradise and Mystery Train, that does not help at all. You don't know other films, right? No. <laughs> uh, let's see. Look, there's Nona Ryder, Gina Rollins, Giancarlo Esposito. Oh. Uh, Armin Muller Stahl, Rosie Perez, Maddie Pelham, Pelham Pa, yeah, Isaac De Bancol, Beatrice Stahl, Roberto Benini. Wow, what a, <laughs> what a cast. Did you know Benini or you were very droll on Benini? I was very confused. Yeah. Like, what a cast of people that I barely know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'll give you well, one. Well, at least we get somebody from the Alien Saga. True. Is this like yeah. Was this the original movie that Euro Trip was ripping off? Yeah, we couldn't be further from that film. Yeah, okay. Is it is it a drama, or is it like is it like a serious movie? Yeah. The other one was a comedy. It's a the next comedy. The next thing will sort of give away what this it's is. We comedy. 
what would you think the idea of having a taxi cab and then those landmarks, what would you try to make out of that? Someone's trying to have a hell of a vacation and they're, yeah. they're a fair. I don't know. It's, it's going to be like an insane fair at the end. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if the, it would the fair. To seem like what it actually is or what you guys are getting is they try to travel around the world. Instead, it's about five taxis, five cities, one night. Huh. So it's more of a, what would you call this? Where it's like vignettes. Okay. So there are five stories actually happening. This director has done that before. Yeah. Kind of like a, that's what, what Strange <clears throat> Paradise kind of is, Mystery Train. And uh, one of their later movies, which I could bring up. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a musical version of that. Um, what was that Quentin Tarantino movie with all the different hotel rooms? Four rooms. Oh, four rooms. Four rooms, yeah. 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 I never saw that actually. Yeah, that's the one Tarantino related thing I've never seen. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's that's yeah. pretty much it. I knew you would never Yeah. Night <laughs> on Earth. So, I didn't even bother with you trying to do a title. Jim so. Jarmouche. That makes sense. But that's also why we did Encino Man, because I knew yeah. that would actually be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, you um, like Jim Jarmouche or have you seen any of his movies? I don't think I have. Yeah, Broken Flowers. Um, Your favorite, Dead Man. Yeah, Dead Man's great. The, the other movie I was thinking of in terms of all the vignettes is uh, Coffee and Cigarettes. Yeah. Which is really good. And Steve Buscemi and all Bill the... Murray. Oh, like, Bill yeah, Murray with uh, the RZA. He actually takes, I believe, a scene with Benini in this and puts it into Coffee and Cigarettes or it's an outtake. He, he was in... Uh, Benini was in Stranger Than Fiction. Or Stranger Than yeah. Paradise. Right, right, right. So, so actually, um, I think this was his first exposure in America. Yeah, should introduce them. Yeah, yeah. So without this, we don't have the jumping on the chairs of the Oscars. Yeah, we don't have life is beautiful. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's pretty much it. I just wanted to showcase something else and see what would happen if I gave you this abstract of a uh, movie. But yes. you never know. You got a ton of points on Encino Man because I really liked what you were coming up with. So, yeah. So don't worry. It wasn't like a, a bad thing for not on Earth. I knew no, that. No, no, that's fine. Good. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking of plots for this one. I was genuinely trying to like figure out what what I it mean, was. Just, there's barely a plot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I should have tried to get you to guess the title, but never would you get like nine on Earth. <laughs> so you never know. Yeah, you never Until know. next time. So gadget. We are, we are uh, big fans of both main actors from our feature film this this month, and uh, I don't know which one we'd rather cover. If not both, we could do both. Um, you can go Jackson since as a tribute, since he's no longer with us. Let's let's start with Bill Paxton though, I guess, because okay. he's he's the one we I think are huge fans of even more. And like you said, he's no longer with us. Uh, I don't know if you had one off the top of your head. You said you covered Thornton in your head. Yeah, I got Thor- so. Thornton in my head already. Uh, yeah. Just I can do, do Paxton. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's think of Paxton first. I can yeah. bring up the uh, list. For I got. I'm gonna go with Simple Plan as my favorite Bill Paxton movie. So I know we brought it up earlier, but it actually is a 
Oh, crap. I totally forgot he was a Nightcrawler. Yeah. Yeah, one of his last hurrahs. Yeah. yeah. I swear, guys, somebody says Twister. <laughs> that might be. He was on an episode of Frasier. I, I guarantee I know what Tristan's is going to be. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see if I'm right. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I think I know what mine is. I know what yours is. We'll see. Uh-huh. Oh, that's such a good movie. Yeah, I, I know what mine is. Oh, I forgot he was a Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. It's going to be one of the two movies that the one side that you've used before, so I don't know if you're going to say it again. But... Can't move over me. You know, I actually hate that one. <clears throat> Because I never I saw it before I finally saw Aliens. I think it got overplayed for me. And I was like, this isn't as exciting as everyone thinks it is. I don't know if it's meant to be exciting. Yeah. yeah. But everyone everyone kind of co-opted it. Oh well, yeah. But... So I'm I'm just kind of annoyed by it at this point. So. Sure. All I think right. I'm aliens, but he's not yeah. even my favorite part of aliens. Spy Kids 2. Yeah. yeah. The island of lost dreams. Not my real choice, but he was a good friend of uh, definitely up there. Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, I believe that. I feel like he would have been a good friend with everybody. Yeah, that's what I was. By saying. all accounts, I heard he was a. Great I'm so I'm I'm so sad that we never got to like meet him or work with him. I know that that's the big one. We me. got to talk to uh, Michael at Comic Con. Yeah, a little bit about him. Yeah, who was that we were talking to? Michael B. Oh yeah, yeah. He's telling us some stories about Tombstone. Yeah. Oh, man. I was hoping, like, looking at this list, like... Uh, it would become clear? Uh, no, I was hoping, like, I would person. recognize the title and remember it, but, like, there's a movie that I'm trying what to remember. Trying to Is it the first poster boy we ever did? Because he was in that. No, no. no it's, it's the one It's the one where uh, he, he he's, like, he's basically a serial killer with his... Oh, that's it. Yep. Here, I'll show you. Oh. Uh, Oh, that's okay. That's, that's it. Like, that's I could, it. Yeah, I the poster doesn't even. It's yeah. Matthew McConaughey technically in the poster. So oh yeah, because that's why it Matthew McConaughey's growing up. He's the been my second yeah. choice. Yeah, that's that yeah. movie. I yeah. Ooh, so, so you're so, gonna go with that? Jimmy? Yeah. So Jimmy's gonna go with Frailty. Yeah, I'm going with Frailty. Frailty. He also directed Frailty. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. He did. Yeah. He did like yeah. three films. He did that golf movie. No, he only did two movies. Yeah. Um, what was yours, Jeff? Because it might be mine. Um, Apollo 13. Which one? Uh, yeah, Apollo 13. I knew it. That was the okay, one. Okay, fine. No, no. Was that was that yours? Because we can we can cancel each other out, and I'll go with Titanic. Oh, I would have gone with Tombstone if if Jimmy I was gonna say he didn't want to say. No, I knew what movie it was, but like, I just couldn't remember the title that I wanted. It was Frailty. Yeah, Frailty is also good. Frailty would be my third. Frailty's great. I do. I do love weird science. I can't remember like what. If you want, we obviously got the brother. We obviously all like Twister and Apollo I don't. and Tombstone and Titanic too. At least his performance is in the movie. I got one. Um, but one I actually, I want to point out another film that kind of got undersung for him because it surprised me what happens to him in it. U five seven one. It's oh. a, a very underrated submarine film. That's McConaughey too. And he starts off. You think he's going to be the lead, and he's killed off kind of in the beginning and it goes off after John Bon Jovi and Matthew McConaughey 
and their story oh. is submarine. So he has a really good performance that leads off the film. Since um, we're not my pick, but since we're talking about underappreciated Bill Paxton movies, uh, Near Dark's really good. Yeah, Near Dark. It's become a cult classic now, but at the yeah. time it was definitely not. Yeah. Well, it came out around the same time as The Lost Boys, and everybody likes The Lost Boys for some reason. Yeah, I think Near Dark's better. It's way better. Um, Catherine Bigelow, standout. Yeah, and it's got, oh my, actually, it's almost kind of an alien reunion because Lance Hendrickson's in it, and so is uh, Jeanette Goldstein. Yeah, speaking Which, of my favorite part of Aliens. Yeah, well, he plays awesome. Vasquez. So. Yeah. <clears throat> Vasquez is actually my favorite, and I like Lance Hendrickson. Speaking of Aliens, did we, did we drop that other bit of yeah, Bill Paxson Oh, yeah, so here's an interesting fact about Bill Paxson. Since he's also, <clears throat> he's collaborated with Jim Cameron several times, obviously, because he brought up Titanic as well. He's the, he, he's like the EGOT of genre film actors because he's been killed by an alien, a predator, and Terminator. And Terminator, he was one of the punks who gets killed by Arnold right when he comes back. Um, he's in Predator 2. He's one of the, uh, he's, he's one of the, he's uh, killed on and he's one of the Danny Glover's partners. And um, obviously in Aliens, he plays Hicks. Not Hicks. Um, what's his character's name? Uh, Hudson. Hudson. He gets killed off. Yeah. But I was I was almost going to go with Predator 2 because it's the most recent thing I saw him in. And I was I was surprised how good he is in it. But He's good, but he's playing Hudson again. Yeah. <laughs> he's also kind of doing that in True Lies, but he's like an asshole version of Hudson. He's great in that. Yeah. I mean, we're bringing up all these roles that he was kind of the comic relief, but he could also do drama. Yeah. Well, that's frailty. Right, yeah. Oh. Like frailty, frailty, there's no comedy in that. Oh, no, no. It's really dark. So, yeah, I guess it's a uh, good good choices all around. Yeah. Are we going to uh, talk about Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, let's, let's go with our Thornton picks. Yes. I'll well, try to think of mine. So, but... for my Thornton pick, I'm going with his voice acting in Princess Mononoke. Oh, yeah. What threw nice. you guys off, didn't I? Ooh, oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, you were holding that in. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Because, like, one of the things that I remember from, like, the interviews after that movie came out, uh, one of the things that, like, he he uh, utilized for that role was that, like, uh, um, for, I guess, the Japanese, uh, original Japanese, the way the dialogue was, it was very uh, rhythmic. And Billy Bob Thornton's a, uh, he's a drummer. So he used that yeah. rhythmic uh, type of speaking uh, when he did the voice for the monk in the movie. You know, it's crazy. All those Miyazaki movies, when they get dubbed in English, they always have, they, it's always really good, impeccable, like, voice casting. Mm -hmm. Like, I was even thinking, like, <laughs> his moving castle with Billy Crystal's perfect as Calcifer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not like they're just getting big stars just to have their names. Mm -hmm. They pick the perfect actors for the right roles. Right. What were um, you thinking, Corey? I'm going to go with... Sling Blade, actually. As Makes my He's... Yeah. I mean, people make fun of that now. That... <clears throat> the way he talks in that movie. But it actually is, like, a great performance that he's doing. Because I don't see any shred of Billy Bob Thornton, his personality, or anything in that character. Actually, him and Dwight Yoakam, I think, that was, like, his first uh, acting role. And he is... So detestable in that movie is great. Interesting. I gotta see it. Every time I bring up Sling Blade, Dad's like, if, "You haven't seen it yet?" 
Yeah, and we're gonna talk about the rated. Uh, I've never seen it from beginning to end. Yeah, we should yeah. watch it. So there, there are big chunks of that movie that I just, I just don't know. Yeah. And my, uh, my underrated uh, Billy Bob Thornton choice would probably be uh, Ice Harvest. Mm-hmm. One of the last movies that Harold Ramis directed. It's a really good dark comedy with him and John Cusack. Yeah, never got around to seeing it. But Sling Blade, yeah, that's my favorite. Throw a curveball at you. My favorite of the last few that I've seen, Parkland. Ooh. Oh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, where it's about the the hospital following the Kennedy assassination, like where he was brought, and he plays like the investigator. Mm-hmm. It was That's really nice good. One. Yeah. That's a good choice. I, I was going to go basic and just say Bad Santa, but knowing him in all these dramatic roles, I just, he's so good in it. It's the perfect casting. Um, it's, I think, the perfect dark Christmas film, dark comedy Christmas film, so... He kind of ruined it with a sequel a little bit, but we don't have to talk about that or yeah. think that it even exists. I mean, you know, so, they're, they're, they're just trying to... It's a standalone. That was just uh, an attempt at money-making. Yeah. So, like, yeah. We, we could just throw we can it, ignore like, it. Like, brush that under the rug. Yeah. Um, he's had a good career like Parkland in the last <laughs> decade where he just comes in like a surgeon makes the perfect incision to a film. Like the judge. Not a great film, but he's... He knows exactly how to push Robert Downey Jr.'s buttons. Uh, our brand is Crisis, standing up against Sandra Bullock. He's just like the perfect foil for people in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So he's been he, doing he, a lot more TV because was he doing Goliath, Brandon? Yeah, the last yeah. six years he's been on that. So I think it just ended in 2020. Yeah. But, uh, so hopefully he'll get back to some good films. But anyways. I would like to see him direct and write again. But yeah, this was a good debut for him. For yeah. right. So what, what did you pick, Tristan? Oh, a bad Santa. Oh, bad Santa. Okay, I didn't know if that was... A bad Santa, Parkland, Princess Mononoke, and what are your choices? Clingwood. Clingwood, yeah. That is, that, is good, that is a good range of choices right there. Yeah, that shows yeah. how... I'm actually glad that Jimmy brought up his voice, at, voice acting in that because that's actually my favorite Miyazaki movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah like, that is, like, my number one Miyazaki movie is uh, Princess Mononoke. Yeah. Yes, I should see it. I own it. Yeah. Well, it's all, all of them are on HBO now. Luckily. I own it. Yeah, there's a Miyazaki collection on HBO. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm glad we had a wide range of opinions on uh, One False Move. But, yeah, it also sh- it's just one of three great collaborations between those two guys, two Southern guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Two southern guys making those a movie about a bunch of guys in a bad situation. Two That's southern guys time. in a northern situation. Or no, the other one. <laughs> North of the Mason-Dixon line. Two L.A. cops in an Arkansas situation. All right. The heat uh, is on so hot it's equatorial. Yeah. Oh, two, two cops from a city of stars goes to Star City to yeah. solve a crime. Two. Why didn't we? Damn, we should have came up with the fucking taglines. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so next, next month, month we're gonna talk about a different kind of dirty cop. Yep. And uh, their co-star in Tombstone, uh, Kurt Russell. So I think by now we we need to get a Sam Elliott film in because we've we've covered Val, then Bill, then Kurt. So we we need to. Which Roadhouse came out in the night? 
but yeah, Kurt Russell is going to start as a, a, I guess, a dirty cop in un- unlawful entry. No, not Kurt Russell. Okay, I know nothing about this film. Just like I knew nothing Ray, about one of Ray Liotta is a dirty cop. Oh, cool. So, yeah, hopefully we know that when it starts. Uh, <laughs> no, you do. Okay. Cool. But uh, I'm looking forward to this. This was actually a tough month because it's really the only hidden gem from June. Everything was a blockbuster. So we're going to talk about that coming up next month. Mm-hmm. Remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe. Tell us if you're uh, enjoying this. Comment. Call us. Uh, text us. Mm-hmm. Email us. Fax us. Whatever you want. I want carrier pigeon. People are listening. So. Pony Express. Astral projection is the easiest way to get in touch. With me. Yeah, if if you get into my dreams, like Freddie, when I go on a sem- sensory deprivation tank, I want you to come into my stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want none of that. <laughs> alone. Jimmy's been trying to get the voices out of his head. So yeah, <laughs> when I take I, I got most of them out. There's three left. Speaking of frailty, when I take uh, I want to hear from the voice. Yeah. Try not to listen to that voice. <laughs> Some of y'all are sinners and need to pay. <laughs> Is this how we're going to end this? <laughs> Great, because Jeff has no idea. Oh, man. <laughs>